Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, episode 27, Citizen Pain. I'm joined by Jack Davies, as always. Uh, how are we doing, man? Uh, another very frustrating day at the office, to be honest, mate. I know we'll get into it soon, but can't really forgive that performance. That was shocking from the boys. Yep. And joining us on the first pod of the new year is Jam, also known on Twitter as Carefree Jam. How are we doing, man? Do you know what? It's good I've had a bit of time just to um, get used to the fact that we lost 3-1 to Man City in that fashion. Um, and, yeah, it, I'm not doing well. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie, people. I thought we might beat City today, so I thought we'll get Jav on and we'll be buzzing and we'll be talking about a win and how, you know, we're the greatest thing ever. So, uh, yeah, that's not quite gone to plan. Obviously, as always, with guests, I get them sort of to plug their socials and plug what they're about. And obviously, since Jam has last been on, there has been quite a bit of change afoot. So, Jam, I'll just let you explain to the listeners about sort of where you're involved at now and what people can expect, etc. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'll start with the, the personal change, I guess, for me. Um, I was the media manager of SW6 Daily, um, which has now changed, but I'll come back to that. Uh, now I'm one of the co-owners, so I've effectively swapped with um, Ellie Helenek, and that's because actually she's got her own YouTube channel, and I'd highly re- recommend checking that out. Um, she's got some big stuff coming up, so keep an eye on her. Um, but she just couldn't give as much time as she would have liked to towards the the page. So um, yeah, it was a great opportunity for me, and uh, it just coincided with some change that we we're always going to make. So we wanted to get the name Chelsea into our name just to really um, show everyone what we're about because SW6 was a great name, but unless you know the postcode, 
you don't know what that means. So, um, yeah, we've changed the name to uh, from SW6 Daily to the Chelsea, well, to the Chelsea Social. I forgot about it there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> the Chelsea Social. Uh, we've, we've, this is it. We feel like that kind of uh, tells you more about what we're about. And now, since then, we now do live streams um, pre and post match. And we will, we've got our own YouTube channel and Twitch account as well. So um, we're also redesigning the website. So that should be done hopefully at some point this month. So yeah, some big change, big new year, um, big change. So uh, yeah, we're all good. Yeah. And all those links you guys can find in the description. So the YouTube, the Twitter, the Instagram and the Twitch. Make sure you guys check them out. A great bunch of people, great bunch of content creators talking about one club we love that is Chelsea. Right, um, I guess we've got to talk about the game. Uh, we lost 3-1 to Manchester City. A COVID hit Manchester City, although looking at their starting lineup, it really didn't seem to affect them hugely. Um, it was a very difficult day at the office. First things first, lineups came in. And I think we were all pretty buzzing with, with the starting eleven when we saw Hakim Ziyech return to the starting eleven. We saw Pulisic and we saw Timo Werner start up front. I don't think we really had any complaints there, did we, Jam? No, not really. I mean, I think I'm going to turn into Captain Hindsight on this quite a bit. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I had no complaints at the time, but I wish I would have voiced it. The one thing is I was surprised Ziyech started because he'd been out for a while and you always just think, whilst he's a really good player, really important for us, when you're out for that long, are you really as sharp as you can be? Especially considering he displaced an informed Hudson Adoy. So we'll probably get back to that in a little bit. But I, I was really happy with the, the lineup to be fair. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And yeah, I thought yeah, Callum was a bit unlucky, but we don't really complain when we see Hakim start. And to be fair, Jack, the first fifteen minutes we started off quite well. We were sort of pressing no, we look- City, we were, you know, we harried them. There was that Stefan picked up a back pass and you thought, okay, City might be feeling the effects here. That was just a massive signal in the game to me, seeing that, him picking up that back pass. And I thought he, he was shaky against Arsenal as well in the cup, um, in parts. And you just think, just lump some sh- shots at him in the goal. Pummel some shots at him early on, test him. And honestly, I don't remember us having a shot pretty much the whole game, really. Um yeah, well, I mean, first 15, we we looked pretty good. But as our mate Louis, Louis said, which was pretty on the money, it reminded him of the 6-0 against City under Sari. Looked really good in the early parts and then they just absolutely tore us apart. Um, and yeah, like I just said at the start, it was it was a very painful watch. Very painful. Yeah, naivety is the main word that sort of comes to mind when watching Chelsea in that first half. Obviously, City take the lead. Nice sort of build-up play. Gundogan gets the shot away. Should Mendy have saved that? I guess we'll come on to that later. We have got a question on that. The second goal is just really nice play from City. And then I don't think you can blame Mendy for that. But again, it was staggering how much our fullbacks struggle with just simple basic one-twos and passes in behind and the gaps. And then the third goal was... Uh, amateur hour, <laughs> self-inflicted, embarrassing, avoidable... 
not just retarded defending. I don't know, whatever word you want to use. It was shambolic. It was absolutely embarrassing. Um, and we found ourselves 3-0 down after half an hour. And I said I said to you, Jack, in our group chat, I said this could be like the 6-1 that yeah. United suffered at home to Spurs. I honestly thought we were going to get absolutely humiliated. Uh, but then City kind of decided to stop playing because they'd already won the game. Um, after that, yeah, second half was just meh. And then we got consolation with Callum. I guess what him and Pulisic, one of the bright, few brightish sparks from that game. I think Havertz got an assist, so at least that'll do his confidence some good. But uh, tough day. And um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say summarising that performance. Jam? Oh, do you know what it is? Um, when you mentioned the third goal, though, you actually triggered something. Why is it always Chelsea that look like they concede circus goals? Why is it always bodies flying everywhere, the ball hits the post, this happens, bodies everywhere, but they always get the rebound and it will go in? What, it just reminds me of that Southampton goal. It's another circus goal, do you know what I mean? West Brom, I'm pretty sure we conceded some stupid goals there. <laughs> what is it about the way we concede? It, it's just so frustrating. Um, I mean, look... Credit to Man City, they were on one today. Um, they, they punished us, they, they put us to the sword. They could have even made it even worse, to be fair. De Bruyne was on one, as he always is, against his former club, um, Super KDB. Um, I'm just glad the tapping merchant didn't score today. Uh, obviously, he hit the post, he was quite, you'd be fuming at that, but they scored anyway. And Gunagon, man, he, he turned into an absolute nutter today, didn't he? Um, What I would say quickly, I don't know if this is the right place to say it, but we had the blueprints to beat Man City. We did it last season, Project Restart. You know, allowed them to have the ball a bit more, sat a little bit further back and hit them on the break. Um, Tottenham have done it this season. Leicester have done it this season. So I do question why we were playing with so much space for their midfield just to, to attack our defenders. There was no cover today. I don't know if you boys agree with that, but honestly, I just thinking back through it, there was just no cover today. No, I'll bring Jack in on this, but the first thing that struck me was our midfield today was absolutely non-existent. I mean, when, when Kante was stinking the place up as much as he was, that sort of says a lot. And to be fair, I don't even think he was necessarily the worst of the midfield three, which also perhaps says a lot as well. Uh, Jack, thoughts on our non-existent midfield and seemingly yeah, our fullback's shocking. inability to shocking. deal with simple one-twos. Well, I mean, we can have a go at the full-backs as much as we want. I mean, Aspi was he was having a torrid time out there with Foden. He was struggling big time. Um, but to be honest, I think that's the midfielder's fault, really. Kevin De Bruyne is the one coming inside and playing these one-twos with, uh, with Foden, etc. And, and he's playing that pass in behind them. It's the midfielder who should be coming in and, and sorting that out. I know they're getting caught, but if you ask me, that's that's the midfielder's problem. And like you said, we were just completely non-existent. Um, going back to that third goal, though, honestly, that that is absolutely schoolboy stuff. It, it's it's horrendous. And I don't, I know you can blame Lampard for the way we played that game. Hundred percent, I agree with with what people are saying. I can understand why everyone's so frustrated. But that third goal, management between yourselves as players. We've got a free kick and there's one bloke back on the halfway line in Kante and that's it. 
what are we doing? And then you see, I mean, I said it, said it to you boys in the chat that um, you saw a different side of Ziyech today, 100%, shoulders down, didn't look like he really cared, to be honest. He gets subbed and he's trudging off and we're losing 3-0. Get off the pitch, mate. Do you know what I mean? And that one, I saw this, I didn't even realise it at the time, but saw the Sky Sports analysis afterwards of him walking back. That is honestly an absolute disgrace. You... You cannot be doing that as a professional football player. And I said this last week again. We've, it seems like we're on a tangent with this, keep going back to it. But as a player, you've, you've got to have the desire and determination and grit within yourself anyway. No, no one should be teaching you that. You should have it within yourself anyway to get back, help your team out. And like Jam said earlier, yeah, it's, we're conceding circus goals and some's come off the post and it's lucky. And... But you never know if he if he dropped back there, the ball could have come off the post and come to him, and he could have hooked it out. It's just one of those. Um, yeah, that that one was the one that really frustrated me today. Yeah, and that was ultimately the one that killed the game off because you've said on Sky you heard Gary Neville saying if Chelsea can get into halftime two nil, then maybe it it'll be a different game. But three nil half an hour, and you just know the game the game is gone, and it was yeah a very tough day. I don't really want to, you know, focus too much on individual players because I don't think anyone really covered themselves with glory. I think really the only people who can sort of hold their heads up high at all were Pulisic. I thought he was the one player who actually was trying things. And again, yeah. he was a bit hesitant. If he if he wasn't as hesitant to shoot at times, who knows? Yeah. Uh, he, he That was very hazardesque, his re- refusal to shoot and let opportunities. He just, he just lacks the... He just lacks the the final pass or that yep. that final shot at the end of the play. His quality, look, honestly, the amount of times he actually took players on today and tried to actually make something happen, like Hazard used to do, it was brilliant. But then that final little pass, he's not quite got that yet. Yeah, yep. and do you know what? Just to add to that, um, on the stream that I just, um, that I just finished, uh, I can't remember who it was that brought this up, but they said it almost looks like Pulisic is think he doesn't trust the people around him. So he tries to do it all himself. Um, and yeah, Jack's very right. Project Restart Pulisic bangs that in like the Crystal Palace goal. It was the same thing. Same area, runs into the box, left foot in the back of the net. Why didn't he shoot? It's a bit weird. I mean, he needs to get his sharpness back, to be completely honest. And I think sometimes, I'll be honest, generally people are afraid of actually criticising Pulisic. I, I had this problem on the stream. I said, what rating would you give him out of 10? We had some saying three, we had some saying six, seven. Um, I'm not sure if that was a good game or not from him, if I'm honest. I yeah, I, I think it's the fact that the others were that bad. He stands best, out that bit more. Exactly. Best of a bad, perhaps, best of a bad bunch. Because I mean, you know, I sort of was thinking about this. I was thinking, well, how was Mason Mount today? And I thought, even by his standards, he was really, really off it today. Um. You know, so I was thinking, quite. And Mason's normally one of those you can sort of count on, no matter what, for for that performance. But today, I thought he was just not there. So yeah, it was Pulisic was probably maybe one bright spot. And then obviously, I'll say, I will say Callum because I think he did have some decent link up play down the right. He he was trying things. You know, again, we'll come back to our later. I think one of the questions is should Callum have started? Well, you know, it, it's hindsight in it. But um, yeah. he got a goal. You know, he's continuing his good run of form so I guess that's a positive but uh, also I just thought 
final player I want to finish up, finish up on another tough day at the office for Timo Werner and him kicking the corner flag while taking a corner kind of summed it up for him, didn't it, Jam? You know what? I actually missed that. Um, I actually missed that. But then there was uh, a, a group chat I'm on. Everyone was just hammering him. And I was just like, what is this? What, what have I missed? What have I missed? Yeah, I looked back at it and... <laughs> I think that's, in a nutshell, that is exactly where he's at right now. Um, you know what, again today, I don't know if we actually utilised him as much as possible because he, he makes the runs. We played it a couple of times and it looked dangerous. But then you've got to say, sometimes when he did get in behind, he would be one-on-one with a defender and look to pass it. What, what happened to him taking on a man, even if it's just speed? Knock it by him and go. I don't get it. So... He's, his confidence is finished right now. He needs to just come off completely, not play, out the squad. You know, that needs to hit him hard. And then he's got to think, right, what do I want to do about this? And he's got to work his way back into the team. Because, unfortunately, he's not really adding anything to us at the moment. I hate to say it too. Yeah. No, Definitely. I agree. I completely agree there. Another disappointing display from him, I guess. Yeah, Habits at least got an assist at the end, but yeah. Um, right, I guess we move on to the questions. First question is, apologies, I didn't actually write the name of this down, but they ask, is Frank really the problem? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm... think it's one ever, all of us want to answer, is it? But I mean, you with a performance like that, you you've, you've got to give him some... You've got to, abuse is the wrong word, but you've you've got to criticise that honestly. Um, like we said, like I said earlier with the City game, similar when we lost them six nil, going at them like that just seemed a bit ridiculous. To be honest, uh, should have should have hindsight again. Probably should have sat back and tried to hit them on the counter when you've put someone like Timo up front. That's what you think's going to happen. Um, the amount of balls we just crossed into the box today, and like Ziyech cutting him left left foot. If he's gonna, if we're gonna do that, why is Giroud not on the pitch or Tammy, someone with more physical presence that's good in the air and in the box? That's that's just a baffling thing for me. Um, and when you see stats like since the start of December, only West Brom and Sheffield United have lost more games than us. That that shows what a bad patch we're in. Um, that is very worrying. Um, can see why everyone's everyone's getting on to the manager, um, and some people saying, "Oh, maybe is it time to change?" I can understand, um, given the recent run of form. But then my counter to that, my question to them would be, "Who do you bring in? What what's your solution if we're getting rid of getting rid of Frank Lampard?" Um, because in my eyes, um, I'm not really sure who we get and what we could do, to be honest. It's just literally going to be the same as every time we're going to have to start again. It's going to be another project and all the work we've done is pretty much gone to waste. I know they'll inherit some some good young players, but um, I just don't really get it if we're going to get rid of them this quickly and, and just try and restart again. Yeah, Jam also get your thoughts on that one yeah yeah um do you know what i think i think what's happened is 
last season happened, Frank Lampard's brought in players to help solve the, the issues from last season in, in, and improve us. Um, these players, some of them have struggled to adapt to the league. They're quite young. So Kai Havertz, Timo Werner is now struggling. He had started well initially. Um, and Hakim Ziyech is struggling with injuries. Um, so, unfortunately, he's still had to almost rely on players from last season and not rely on any of the new players. And we were actually at a point where we were reliant on Hakim Ziyech. Um, Timo Werner was not informed towards that period when Ziyech got injured. Um, Kai Havertz, obviously, still recovering from uh, the virus. So, when Ziyech went out, we had a problem. We had a problem because we were thinking, right, we... What do we do? We, we, we go through Ziyech. Okay, let's keep going wide. Let's go to the fullbacks and just cross the ball. We got found out against Everton, found out against Wolves. My criticism for Lampard comes now in that time where he hasn't changed it that much. We got, I still say it's a lucky win against West Ham. We lost control of that game, and that shows us exactly how reliant we then got on our fullbacks because they didn't play that game, or at least Chilwell got injured, and we didn't have any fluidity or chemistry because we're used to just going out wide and crossing the ball. That clearly doesn't work because if you're a defending team, you know what's coming. It's predictable FC and all you're going to do is let us go out wide and cross the ball and we just head it out. It doesn't matter if Giroud's on there. Yeah, he might get one out of every 10, but are these still good stats? They're not. And another thing I'll bring is I saw a tweet from Nomi Footy. Um, he's big on his stats on Twitter, but good account. He's, he's tweeted out saying that there, I think there were two or three players, individual players, that had played more through balls this season than Chelsea Football Club as a whole. Does that not tell you everything you need to know? In the sense that, you know, we're just predictable. Where's the variation? Today, we played two through balls, and I think that that's already tw uh, 25% of the through balls we played this season. I feel like we played two fribbles today. Honestly, it was like eight. It was something ridiculous. So when you look at stuff like that, it's like, come on, Frank. You're a smart guy. This doesn't read good. There's no excuse for me of saying that this is to do with injuries. Because Ziyech, yes, he missed games at the start of the season. Yes, he missed games in December. But you still need to have a plan B. You still do. Playing Timo Werner when he's out of form, out of position and continue to do that. Today, he dies on his sword. I mean, we're going to get to who should have started. And, you know, we're now, now that you look at it, and it, I said Captain Hindsight earlier, unfortunately, he's back Timo and Timo hasn't helped him. We need a striker, by the looks of it, that had confidence and could keep the ball. At least bring us into the game, alleviate Giroud, perhaps. But, yeah, Frank, um, he's got a lot of questions to answer, unfortunately. Yeah, no. Also, I think Jack mentioned sort of the crosses. I'm thinking just going back in these last six games in particular, if you look at the goals we scored, Villa draw was a cross. Our goal against Wolves was a cross. Our opener against West Ham was from a corner. So, there has, so we have certainly struggled creatively these last few games. And you can definitely tell there's sort of been an over-reliance on that. On that question, in terms of is Frank the problem, he is to an extent, I think. You can't deny that. I think today... He tells the players how to play. He, t he sets them up like that. And that was naive. But then when you look at these last six games, is Frank the problem for that shambolic display against Arsenal? 
yes and no, because those players also have got to own it as well. Is he responsible? Is he really the problem for Aston Villa when Andreas Christensen doesn't get up from a foul, from a tackle on the floor that leads to their goal? Not really. He can't really do anything about that. And we, you know, Jack and I mentioned in the last pod, we actually thought we played well enough against Villa to win. So right now, for me, it's a balance between the both. Frank isn't helping himself with certain decisions, but also certain individuals really aren't helping him and the team right now on that. Follow-up to that question is from Travis, who asked, do you think players have quit playing for the manager? And I guess the reason this this question might have come out is because there's an athletic article released, I believe, where they're talking about how Chelsea, obviously Chelsea might be looking towards a new manager. And one of the reasons is there is apparently some dressing room discontent. Jam, do you think players have quit playing for the manager or do you think that is perhaps a bit too simplistic a way to sort of put the current situation? I think that's too simplistic. Um, although you can look at the way Ziyech behaved today and say... You know, has that come from the fact that there is that frustration already there building up? Um, I look at the chemistry between the players and sometimes I see some players make a pass to someone that's seen something else, tried to run him behind. Usually that involves Timo Werner. It doesn't look like it's working right now and that could just lead to these things. When you you go on a bad street, you start to criticise your teammates and say, you should do this, you should do that. But when all you're hearing is criticism, sometimes that can lead to friction. Um, So I'm not surprised that there's a a bit of dressing room um, discontent. There's going to be that. There has to be. That's not a lie. But I don't necessarily think that that's causing, that means that they're not playing for Frank Lampard. Um, I think that's quite a lazy thing to say, if I'm honest. Um, However, what what Frank needs to do is he needs to learn quickly how to motivate a team that has is low on confidence, isn't happy with the results and maybe their own performances and performances of one of one of one or of uh, two other players. Sorry, um, and perhaps he needs to treat players all the same. So we're going to get to it again. Timo Werner shouldn't be playing, and that could be pissing off a few players. You know, they might look at that and go. Why does he get to start all the time? Literally, he's, he's killing our attack. They can see it too. They see it before us. They're on the pitch. They see him in training. I don't know what he's like in training, to be fair, but they're probably asking questions. And when he lets down the team and they get a bad result and they take stick on social media for it, they're saying, well, I know what the problem is. So maybe they lose their trust in Frank a little bit. It's all a multiplier effect, unfortunately. But I don't think that they're downing tools for Frank. It doesn't make sense, especially when he was the pulling factor for most of these guys being there in the first place. Yeah, Jack, bring you in, bring you in on that. I was just going to just add to that um, what Jam said a few minutes ago about how we've played so little through balls this season. And that's that's one of the strongest parts of Werner's game. He likes running in behind and getting passes like that. So, I mean, I don't know if it's that analysis team to blame or someone like that, if they're seeing these. I don't know why, on that, why he's would, playing then. Would you also um, say that the absence of Kai Havertz is perhaps a factor in that? Because you would look at him as perhaps the most creative yeah. of that midfield three, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the time it has been Mason Mount and Mateo Kovacic. And when I think, yeah. there's, I saw, I think there's a graphic that Mason Mount has been our most creative player this yeah, season. Yeah, I'm not surprised at that at all. And he, you probably wouldn't where you see, see him as that type of player. Yeah. Um, seeing like Havertz is like highlights from 
playing in the Bundesliga and stuff, um, he you probably would say he is that type of player to, to have that sort of David Silva-esque pass to unlock a defence, etc. He just obviously hasn't shown it enough yet. Um, but I do think Mason Mount has been that player. I think he's created the most key passes for us and looks to play it forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when you see that midfield can take cover, cover and mount, it does sort of lack that that number 10 or someone that just constantly wants to play it forward rather than than sideways sort of thing. Um, I was just going to add as well, I don't know if you boys saw that Pulisic Sky Sports interview and they were asking him who's the best finisher at the club and he said he said Oli Giroud straight away. Um, so I don't know if that's not not believing in your teammates maybe. Um, but going back to that for Pulisic today, when he's driving at players trying to do something and not quite nothing's really coming off with that final pass, etc. Giroud's probably the perfect player to play with him for that. He could just knock it into him and play a one-two in those circumstances. So I think that's another option we're probably going to have to look at. And like Jam said, I think I think Burner's got to be dropped if it's probably just put him on the bench. But when you've got uh, Giroud and Tammy and they're both, they've both been scoring goals recently, um, they've got a start if you ask me yeah well on back we've got a question from concierge of Carmas. does frank play players on merit it is frank playing players on merit only applicable to particular players given callum was one of the best against villa and ziek was out for a month yet callum was benched again <sighs> this is a tough one because I, I think, like we all said, we probably would have started, I'd imagine we'd have all started Callum today. Jack, I think on the last point mm. we said Callum was probably, again, yeah, we I, weren't honestly, sure if Sieg would start. So I think we probably Honestly, off say. merit, he, he deserves to start 100%. He's, when he's come in in the last few games, he's made a big impact. I know we've not been playing well as a team, but he has made an impact and done enough to show that he deserves to start. But if you, if you asked it, any fan before the game... And they said, if ZX fit, I'm not going to lie, pretty much 90% of, of the fans would have said, you've got to start him. If he's fit, he starts. So it's another one of those, like it's all very well saying it now, but I don't think many people had many complaints when that team came out. Um, in my opinion, that at the moment is probably our best team, apart from Reese in for Aspi. And then you probably say, Havertz would play instead of cover if he was on a bit of form. On paper, that is our best team. On form, you'd probably say to take Werner out and put Giroud or Tammy in. But I it's just another question. You, it's it's easy to like say it now, isn't it? Yeah, Jam, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, Jack's right. It's it's easy to say it now. Um, however, I yeah, I, I said the thing about Captain Hindsight earlier. If there was one thing that just I, I had that question mark in my mind was, is he going to be sharp enough? So it's all very well and good being fit, but the sharpness perhaps lacking a little bit today. Um, and yeah, to answer that question, I think there is a bit of bias from Frank. I don't know why. That's only speculation in a sense. Um, 
of thinking why that is. But he does. But he's been playing Timo Werner. You know, <laughs> his form's been terrible and he's still been playing him. I get the, the early bits where maybe we didn't have a winger. Um, and literally at one point, I think he would have to have played Andrew in or something on the wing. Okay, I get it then. But to to keep persisting with him and then to drop someone like, let's say, Kai Havertz, he wasn't on form, you know. But then more importantly, to drop Callum Hudson-Odoi, who's in form for someone that's coming back from an injury that they've had for almost a month or a month. I mean, come on, man. That's not good. Unfortunately, yeah, he needs to answer any questions on that. Sorry, Jack, what are you saying? No, no, sorry. I was just saying, if you're if you're Callum and you're seeing that, what what are you thinking? Uh, it must be pretty demoralising, to be honest. Um, I know what that's like playing football and stuff. It's hard to take. Um, so he he must be he must be pretty fuming, if you ask me. Um, yeah. And think managing players like that is is um, is a dangerous game. Um, Treating him like that, he could possibly then want to go in January. It's one of those, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And Jack, I think it was you on the last pod who said it feels with Callum, he's got to try that bit extra harder to convince Frank. It sort of feels like he yeah. needs to have that standout game every single game. Yeah. And that Frank doesn't perhaps have the trust in him. That's for me, it seems Frank mm-hmm. just ultimately doesn't really trust Callum enough. Um, but yeah. also, again, we're saying this, but we've also got no clue what's being said upstairs we've got no idea if there's been pressure put on Frank to play these new signings that Roman splashed out on as well because Roman will want to see a return on his investment as well he's not pay- he's not sanctioned these transfers for Havertz to sit on the bench for the last three games or whatever it's been in the league and for you know Werner to be performing how he is so there might be pressure from upstairs as well when it's easier to drop Callum but that still doesn't justify it but I'm just sort of trying to think I guess in Frank's shoes there but yeah, it's a tough one. Look, if I'm honest, I think Frank Callum will probably get the FA Cup tie against Morecambe should it go ahead. Um, I mean, but, if he doesn't get that, that, yeah, and then who knows? And then if he has a strong performance there, maybe he gets the Fulham game. We'll have to see. But it's tough. I don't know if we do. We have a question on the starting team for that because honestly, if you're asking me, he's got to start that game. I don't care can, about this but, FA Cup yeah. game. Forget it. He, he, he's he got to start that game and if you ask me based on Havertz coming on in the last two games he's looked pretty bright and actually looked like there could be a upturn in form I think he's got to start as well yeah, well, against Fulham after, yeah. yeah against Fulham yeah, yeah this, I agree there's got to be there's got to be changes after this uh, this result today big time yeah my um, final thing on that is say Kai got the assist when he came on he played that really nice ball for Callum he looked more lively and it's a weird one because we, yeah, we saw sort of mentioned, I saw certainly other people mention on Twitter mentioned, but, but Kovacic saw his absence in the last the three games prior to this, where West Ham, Arsenal, and Villa, he wasn't really involved, and people sort of were wondering why. But then you saw him today, and you sort of see, yeah, I kind of get it, mm. because today was a nothing performance from him. I thought there was, you know, the fact that the most memorable thing I remember is him shooting from outside the box that went comfortably wide, kind of says that all for him. And his, oh, you know, what I remember is when he oh, got this holding the ball yeah. and they're and yeah, they're not pressing and they're just waiting for a mistake and he makes a mistake. And I was, yeah, that's what I remember from that. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> he's he's not really a specialist of anything anymore. 
I'll just yeah. put it out there. I know he was our player of the year last season, but you, you you kind of want players that are extremely good at something and all it is is dribbling. Um, I guess the way we play right now, he's actually more looking for passes, so he's not even been able to do that. <laughs> so the effect on the game is a bit, uh, you know, yeah. these one-twos aren't coming off, mate. Yeah, and I do, I do sort of have a feeling, and I've sort of said this to people, but I think should should the Frank project continue, should that Kovacic will be eventually one of the few, one of the next ones to sort of be sidelined and become less less relevant in this project, because I do think we are sort of starting to see more and more now, perhaps the limitations on him as a player, and why yeah Frank hasn't been playing him as much recently. Anyway, guys, we'll be back in part two to continue answering your question. Okay. Welcome back to part two. We're still answering your questions. And the next one comes in regarding sort of the future of Frank and what perhaps we would do next. So Jordan, the KFC Kesman asks, by the way, follow him on Twitter, just an all-round top guy. He asks, who would you want to take over if Frank Lampard does get sacked slash walks? And then follow up to that from Dan Hill asks, is, do you think Lampard is capable of getting top four of Chelsea this season? And that aside, would you hire Thomas Tuchel? Um, Right, Jack. First of all, who is there? Anyone? Okay, I'll I'll pose you two different scenarios because I do think there are two very different scenarios here in terms of if Frank goes mid-season and Frank goes at the end of season because obviously the options would be limited. So first up, Jack. If Frank got if Frank was to get sacked, say tomorrow or whatever, or he goes mid-season, is that who would you want to take over from Frank should he go? I'm not asking like long term. I'm just thinking maybe even just to see the season out or whatever. Or do you think it's going to be another Gus Hedding job? <laughs> get him in again. Gus. Get him back. Get the motorcycle back. Um, I, honestly, I don't know. This, I'm, I'm not too sure about that too show. Honestly, everyone's like saying, oh yeah, he's got the best win percentage in League One and all this bollocks. League One is the League of Farmers, mate. I could almost play in that league. It's just a joke. They PSG win it every every year by an absolute mile. That's why Pochettino's buggered off there because he knows he can win a trophy now. Um, so I, I yeah I I don't know. I I just hope it doesn't doesn't happen mid season. Um, I hope they give it to him till till the end of the season. And look, if come the end of the season, thirty eight games have been played in the Prem and we haven't got top four. I love Frank, as I'm sure pretty much every Chelsea fan does. But if that's the case at the end of the season, I don't think we can have any arguments if Roman was then to get rid of him. Um, but mid-season, I, I don't want to answer that question because I don't want to see that happen, to be honest, mate. Fair enough. OK, well, I'll let you answer for that. Do you think we're capable of... Do you think Frank Lampard is capable of getting top four for Chelsea this season? Oh, I mean... Well, obviously, you base it on our form at the moment, then you're going to say it's going to be a massive struggle. Um, that Fulham game is is massive. Um, to get some confidence up, I was saying earlier, if, if we go and lose that game, I think that's it. That'll be curtains. Um, I mean, you, you look at the table, what are we three points off top four? And most of the teams have got a game in hand on us. So... Most of them pick up three points, let's say. So we're six points off the top four. I mean, six points is not not the end of the world, if you look at it. Um, it it's not miles off. If, if you can pick some form up, you've seen it. You've seen it this season. 
we everyone's looking at Man United over their shoulders about six weeks ago, and now they're second. It it can all just change so quickly in football. Um, so I think we've got the squad, we've got the capabilities to do it. Um, it's just whether, just whether we if we if we can turn it round. If Frank if Frank's uh, got the skills to be able to do it. Um, it will buy. It will. It will be a tough. It will be a tough ask, based on the form at the moment. Fair enough, Jam. I'll let you. I'll give you a little bit more thinking time on a potential future manager or whatever. But do you think Frank is capable of getting top four with Chelsea this season? Uh, do you know what I? I've just been shaking my head here because I've actually looked at the table. Um, and when Jack said most people have got a game in hand with us, he's not wrong. So <laughs> seven out of the. Um, well, six out of the seven teams above us have got a game in hand, at least one game in hand on us. Aston Villa and Man City have two games in hand on us. So, if they were all to win, six points. Yeah, it's six points off. That's a big gap already. I mean, that's not good. You know, we've got the likes of Southampton level with us. Arsenal three points behind us. Leeds three points behind us. West Ham level with us. Southampton actually have a game in hand on us, so they're probably going to go um, above us. Crystal Palace, four points below us. <laughs> it's it's not looking good. I mean, what I'm going to say is we haven't played half the games of the season yet. 19 games is obviously halfway through the season, and we're two games off that. We must win these two games and have a look at it again from there and look, unfortunately right I've been a massive advocate for saying last season we got 66 points we must do better this season we have to do better than that total that's shit now if we were to win our two games our next two games and just double what we've done in the first half of the season for the next half that's 64 points that gives you an idea of where we're at right now we're actually worse off so this isn't good. This must change. And I know that there are a lot of games to do this, and I, I get it. We've had a, a lot of misfortune with injuries. Three wingers out at the same time is not good. An underperforming striker, someone getting COVID. Uh, you know, there are loads of things. But what he had to do is man, find a way to manage the team through it, and he hasn't done that. That might be due to inexperience from him and the players. I think there is a lot more to come from these guys and they just need something to shock them into interaction. We're not that... I mean, I just said we are quite kind of far. We, we're not far enough to completely wave goodbye, but it's going to be a tall ask from now. We're going to have to beat these teams that are above us. We must beat them. And then they're going to drop points in other games. But we must beat Aston Villa, Everton, Southampton, Man City, Tottenham, Leicester, Man United and Liverpool in the reverse games. <laughs> That's how bad it is. So, you know, maybe not Liverpool, but, you know, the rest of those teams, we need to beat them. And then we'll be in there. Fair enough. Uh, any thoughts on a potential manager? I mean, look, to, to be honest, I said it to you just before we start recording. I, I Genuinely, this is something I haven't actually thought about. Um... Yes, I'm, I'm Lampard in. Um, for now, I'm asking questions, I'm scrutinising him. But I, ha I just haven't had that 
mindset to think about another manager? And is there anyone available now because Poch is gone? Probably my natural default would have been Poch. Now he's not available. I don't know what to say. I'm not really someone that knows a lot about Tuchel. But from what I, I'm literally hearing it being a polarised argument. Some say get him in. Some say absolutely not. I, I need to start looking into it. But genuinely, I'm not just sitting on the fence and trying to hide it. I don't want to put a name out there when I don't actually know if that makes sense. I'm not, I haven't really given it careful consideration. Fair enough. Sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. I guess I'll answer that question. Uh, do I think Frank is capable of getting top four of this squad? Yes. Because... Not that six games ago, we were people were raving about this project and how we were going places under Frank and his leadership. So six games isn't enough for me to just go, yeah, we're not good enough now. Um, I do think we can get it, but I do think it's going to be a tall order. Uh, in terms of points, I get the argument, but again, I'd argue it's complete. Like this season has shown it's not normal. So I'd say as long as we get top four, like even if we have less points than last season, that's probably okay, and we've probably still progressed in some areas like probably defensively although not today um, and then in terms of like this is my issue with people who want a manager like I get you know people want change and I get the we're used to it as Chelsea fans things get tough get a manager but if we ditch Frank and we ditch for project it's like in a video game if you die in a video game you you go back to the start right your the, the project the whole thing resets the only difference is though but Frank's been playing, you know, Frank's had auto save on. So it's, it's saved his progress at various points. So the next manager does have a better starting point than when Frank walked in. The next manager would have a better squad of players to work with than Frank did at the start. So he, it might, his project might take less time than Frank's. But also, and again, just looking at this, purely like looking at this emotionally as fans, not, not using any sort of like business logic or football logic, this is probably Frank's best chance of managing Chelsea. He's probably one and only chance of managing Chelsea, in my opinion. Unlike others, I don't think he gets a second bite at it unless he goes on to have a phenomenal managerial career, which so far, unfortunately, it does not suggest he will. But admittedly, there is still time. And Frank Lampard, for all he means at Chelsea Football Club, I, I want to give him the best chance to succeed. Because I saw Jack, Jack on over. I said this in the chat. But as, as bad as the current situation might be, and I know I'm going to have a lot of people disagree with me, and I'm not, I'm not asking people to agree with me. I've got no issue with people disagree with what I'm about to say. But as shit as it, this is might sound, Chelsea, in my eyes, have completed football. We have won everything there is to win. You know, we have won all the trophies we can win in football. So now I want to be patient, and I want to give Frank Lampard, a man who is synonymous with Chelsea Football Club, a man that means so much, the best possible chance to be a success at this football club. And I know it might be to the detriment of Chelsea Football Club and you should never, you know, no one is bigger than Chelsea Football Club. And I completely understand the people who will disagree with what I'm saying. But Frank Lampard means so much to Chelsea Football Club. I just want him to, give, to have the best opportunity to make a success of it. And either way, if Frank doesn't get top four this season, he's probably gone, right? The project restarts. If we get a new manager in mid-season now, the project restarts. So either way, there will, be re there will be a restart. The only difference is what place does it restart? There will still be time needed. As for Thomas Tuchel coming in, it didn't end great at PSG. We don't know exactly, but again, Denver Bar, obviously the racism incident, did not speak very well of Tuchel and how he handled that incident particularly. It didn't, I believe, end great at Dortmund. 
if you listen to what fans of both clubs have got to say, they're not exactly gutted he's no longer there. Given how he fell out of both clubs, I would also imagine it's not advisable and the best fit that he would work with our board at Chelsea, given how previous managers have fallen out with the board. So with for regards to Thomas Tuchel, no, I completely do not understand the logic for getting him, other than in your hoping that he might turn things around quick and get a quick-term fix. But long-term, and bearing in mind we're seeing Chelsea as a project, I do not get the, the logic of having Thomas Tuchel take this project forward. As for other managers, I would consider replacing Frank. I've said this before. I think Julian Nagelsmann is a fantastic manager. I think he's doing great things at Leipzig. I think he will be a fantastic manager. But again, would we get him now? Would we get him away from Leipzig? I don't know. And the only, and I'll say this, why don't sack Frank unless you've got someone lined up for the next season? Don't just, you know, if we're going to do this project, that, that takes out some options. If we do this project, that takes out Allegri who's available right now. If we take a project, we're looking for people we're going to want patience with. So if what we do, if we get rid of Frank now, you get an interim manager in for the rest of the season, ride the, ride the wave out, and then you get a manager in from another club. But who, who do people want to get from another club, realistically, who we're going to get? Because to me, there's only two names I'm seeing, Nagelsmann and Tuchel. Will we, nab, will we get Nagelsmann away from Leipzig? I'm not sure. Is Tuchel the best fit for Chelsea? I'm really, really not convinced. Obviously, if he comes, I will support him because I support every single Chelsea manager. But I'm just saying with people, I get that people might think Frank's not going to get us top four. But do you then... But I think with the next appointment, it's got to still be in regards to this project. Or you just say, okay, we're not going to bother with projects anymore and we're going to go back to the short-term success for that and because we've now got a better squad that might last longer. For me, those, for me that, that's how you go about it right now because I do not see who you get out there to replace Frank. I'm, I, yeah, I don't know if Jam or Jack's got anything to add to that. Can I just go back to the when you were talking about Frank quickly? I was going to add it earlier, but yeah. I didn't want to interrupt your, <laughs> rant, your, your yeah. passion rant. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I know we only, we didn't, we only, was it 66 points last year? Yeah. Which yeah. isn't great, and we still got, but we still got top four. I think Frank Lampard has almost shot himself in the foot based on the, what he achieved last season. No one expected us to get anywhere near the Champions League with the squad we had. We just lost Hazard, got a transfer ban. He was having to play the younger players. Um, no one expected us to be anywhere near there. Got the top four, got to an FA Cup final and that's almost been set as the benchmark. Well, it has been set as the benchmark for this season. So, again, it's hindsight, isn't it? Um, if he'd done worse last season, people might have a little bit more patience now. Um, but, yeah, I think that could almost be a potential of his downfall, really. The fact that he did so well last season and overachieved. Jam? Um... So to be honest, there's not really a lot I can I can add to that. Um, I, I like what Jack's just said there. To be fair, um, I think this season, you know, actually, is quite fortunate that there's no runaway leaders, um, and everyone seems to be struggling with COVID. So, actually, uh, well, well, in the sense that obviously we've got we're playing in a compressed season and we struggled the most. Um, what, what I would say is that maybe 
this half of the season, I feel like the games are more spaced out um, than December, of course. So we might see a bit of an upturn from that. God knows, but I, I, I I've really got a lot to add to that, to be honest, lads. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think, yeah, we asked the question. There's got to be a plan in place. There's got to be a proper, actual, serious plan in place, a long-term plan in place if you're removing Frank. Or, as I said, you just abandon the project. Mm -hmm. But again, and again, I'll say this, and maybe people will disagree for various reasons, but if you can't be patient with Frank Lampard as manager in a project and you're a Chelsea fan, are you going to be patient for another manager when they hit another run of form as well? Or are you going to want another change? So exactly. to me, I think you've just got to think, just think. Oh carefully. no, they're just going to want another change. You've seen people's true colours come out in the last few weeks. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You people aren't even prepared to give give Lampard some time. So if people aren't going to give Lampard time, no, they're not going to give anyone time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So as I said, what I said earlier, I think with Frank, I don't really see the benefit. The only benefit I see if you potentially get rid of him is maybe we get top four and the financial incentives of that. But you still go back to, you still hit restart. You still go back to square one and it's short-term success for, you know, a bit of a longer-term pain, in my opinion. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Uh, final football, oh, no, sorry, a couple more football questions. Uh, Tyler asks, thoughts on Mendy for the first two goals? I kind of briefly mentioned it. I thought, the first goal, he probably could have stopped. The second goal, I don't really have an issue with because the pace on the ball is really quick. And I know it's at his near post, but it is, it is passing pretty quick. Uh, Jam? Yeah, the first one. Every time someone gets a handle, someone, you always question it. Um, I feel like he could have got it, if I'm honest. I feel 60-40 in favour of that. But I'm not going to hold it against him too much. Um the, yeah, and as you said, the second one was a bit too too much. It was a great finish from Foden. Um, quite annoying, in fact. Um, when you think about the two finishes, they were on point. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of frustrating too. Um, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to hold it against Mendy, although he hasn't looked as assured as he had in the first few weeks when he started. That must be said. He certainly isn't on form. Um, but, you know, these losses aren't his fault at the same time. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, right, final football question comes in from Maria. She asks, what do you make of Ampadu's loan to Sheffield United so far? Should he be loaned elsewhere this January or should he stay? Is it due to playing in a weak team or has he got to step up regardless? Well, firstly, on, on the standard, I think he has to step up because I think you look at Conor Gallagher shining in a pretty shocking West Brom team. So I do think he has got a step up there. I think he's, I mean, he's unlucky, but he's Sheffield United just woefully out of form. Like they, like honestly, they're on, they're on track for like yeah. beating that Derby County side for lowest points mm. total in a season. So, you know, I don't know when they next play Chelsea, maybe we can, we can kickstart their survival, their survival <laughs> bid. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. 6th of February. <laughs> Let's see it start. <laughs> The Goldrick. For people who can't see, Jab just had his hands covering his face there. Um, yeah, it, it, it could be very peak then. Um, yeah, on Ampadu at Sheffield United, I, I don't watch Sheffield United every week, so I can't really comment on his performance. Obviously, I, I, from what I read, he's not been saying the world alight. 
again, is he, you know, is it the best environment for him playing in a struggling team? Who knows? It, diff, different environments bring out different things in people, different traits, different skills. Yeah. But what I think we Ampa do is he just needs regular football somewhere and he's going to need regular football for a consistent period of time because he hasn't, he's barely played that many games in his career. So yeah. for me, it's just about him getting games wherever he can. And I think with him, realistically, he doesn't have a clear path to the first team at the moment. So he just needs to go out on loan and get games under his belt. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Jack. I think uh, Sheffield United have been predominantly playing him as one of the one of the back three. Um, and I think if you ask most people, he they'd see him more as a CDM. So maybe that's not quite not quite helping him. But from some of the games I've seen, like. Yesterday, yesterday against Palace, um, Eze comes running through and he just sticks out a lazy leg. Um, that's not great, is it? Um, but he'll he'll learn a lot in that team, even if even if it's not good. Not I I would not like to be in that dressing room dressing room right now. I tell you that that must be. Must be a terrible place to be going into training every day. Um, but it's something he'll definitely learn. Whether it will really um, project his career and and push him on that much more, I'm not too sure because losing every week is is uh, pretty demoralising. So I think maybe he'll have to go out on another loan next season. Yeah. Uh, before I bring Jam in about as well, I would also say that just because don't say no for Declan Rice's don't say no to signing Declan Rice because it may hamper Ethan and for these development I literally Jack I just watched today and I was just like oh man I wish Declan Rice was in that midfield for us today hopefully <laughs> hopefully it comes soon uh Jam thoughts on sort of the Ampadu situation yeah he look he, he just needs to be playing football um I don't want him coming back and sitting on our bench and I think like Jack said he's got a lot to learn from Sheffield United um, you know, there's a lot to learn. Uh, let's put it this way. You learn the most about success, I guess, when you fail, in a sense. At least you know where success is. Um, so I think in that environment, actually, it will be character building for him. Uh, and then certainly next season, he can go on loan to a better team. Uh, you know, maybe something, some team around mid-table, maybe a football playing side, unlike Brighton, something like that. Um Perhaps even a West Ham in a in a swap deal, you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, um, I think he's, he's still a good player, and I'd love to see him playing for Chelsea one day because I I actually think that steel and grit was missed from our midfield today, um, and he can obviously he can play centre back too. So yeah, uh, I I wish the best for him, and yeah, he should go alone elsewhere. But see how the season with Sheffield United. Yeah, and again, my final point was I don't actually think it's a bad thing if he maybe takes a step down to the championship next season. I know people might look at it as a regression, but I think we look at Tammy. He had a you know a championship loan, then a Premier League loan, but didn't work out. Went back to the championship, had a really strong season, and that helped him and his mm. confidence there. So I you know I just think he needs a good loan somewhere to get confidence up, to be playing regularly, to build him up. But yeah, he's still really young. I think we sort of feel like he's been around for ages because he burst onto the scene about 16, 17 years old. So just patience with him, you know. 
I think, you know, if he works hard, he can have a career at Chelsea. It's as simple as that. If he works hard, he'll make a career for himself at Chelsea Football Club. Right. Now we're going to end on two non-footy questions just to maybe try and brighten the mood up a bit because it has been maybe a slightly more depressing podcast than we'd have hoped. First question comes in from Kamal, who asks, what is one food you would absolutely refuse to eat even if your life depended on it? Jack. Wow. Um... Oh, was it was it Jack first? <laughs> Jam, if you want to if you want to take that away from Jack, I'd no, 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 no. I I misheard that. So, <laughs> you, please carry on, sir. <laughs> um, probably be something like Marmite. I'm not gonna lie, one of those ones. Either love it or you hate it, and for me, that's a definite hate it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jam. Parsnips. Fair enough. What the, yeah. hell, what the hell is a parsnip? I mean, oh. and I, I remember, I'll never forget my first encounter with parsnips, right? I thought they were chips. So I had them thinking, you know, I'm just eating a chip. And what happened? You already know the rest. Yeah, it was not good. It was not good. So, and I'll never forget that. Since that encounter, nah, no way. I was a kid then, by the way, just so that everyone knows. But I will never forget that. Fair enough, fair enough. I guess my answer to that is Brussels sprouts. I will never eat them. They might be served with everything else at Christmas, but they're the one thing I actively go and avoid. Right. Final question comes in from Michaela, who has us, who has a message he'd like to promote as well. He says, Bunda Bandit Kamal's food opinions are almost as bad as his sports team selection, and I'm only his friend because he has a PS5 and his brother-in-law works SpaceX. Hashtag he's not a legitimate leader. Right. <laughs> In his question is, in hindsight, what was a weird movie from your childhood that seemed okay to you at the time? And why is it obviously Back to the Future or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> this one might take some thinking. Was, you know, bearing in mind, we probably, Jack and Jack Jam and I probably got to go back a few years to look back at our childhoods, seeing as we're all in our 20s. Um, Can I just say one that yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing it crop up on Facebook? It's not a movie. But um, sorry, the Americans will probably not understand this. But I don't know if you boys remember Big Cook, Little Cook. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, there's, probably some there's a video where there's a video where uh, like loads of milk goes over the little cook. <laughs> something proper dodgy. Now I'm like, how did my parents let me watch that? Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I, it's easier to answer this question in the form of cartoons than it is for films. Um, I mean, immediately I've got a cartoon that comes to mind, but I don't know if you guys ever watched Courage and the Cowardly Dog. No, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Did you ever watch that? No. The, the purple dog. Oh my God. So, some of the things that happened to this poor dog on Cartoon <laughs> Network, right? This, this dog would be like, they used to live out in the wild somewhere in America on like the, the sand flat somewhere. And um, yes, that's the dog. That is the dog. <laughs> if you if you go on YouTube or just Google, how appropriate is this for kids or something? I'm sure there'll be people saying, "What the hell?" Like there'll be ghosts turning up and absolutely slapping the dog, um, his owners. There'll be like some weird, freaky stuff, you know, coming for the the, the, the dog and his family. It was weird. Um, 100% courage of cowardly dog in terms of cartoons. Um, Fair enough. I think 
I don't know. I think you've given an answer. I think, Dan, I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I guess in terms of seemed okay to you at the time, I'm going to interpret that not just in terms of, you know, dodginess, in terms of the actual plot or whatever seemed really good. And as a kid, you probably thought, yeah, this is awesome. But um, on this question, I looked up a film that I loved as a kid. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was a film called The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. It was a film. It's there's a net. There was, I think now Lava Girls, there's a new thing dropped on Netflix or something called Heroes or something and Love, there's Lava Girl features in that or whatever. But um, it's basically, yeah, it's a, I, I looked the film up on Wikipedia and apparently like a lot of the ideas were inspired by the creators, like actual kids' ideas. So I think when you've got kids writing a movie, giving ideas, that perhaps sounds awesome. I thought it was pretty dope at the time, but yeah, probably one of those I probably <laughs> uh, won't look back on and just if we're expanding films if we're going to talk about film film series that you know absolutely got butchered i'm just going to throw in the gold film trilogy uh gold one and two absolute banging films gold three i just forget that that film ever existed you know i may cut my own ending to the first two gold films but that concludes everything we want to discuss on this episode of that chelsea podcast it's been a tough one but hopefully at the same time we got a lot of good points across to you guys and i hope you enjoy before we finish i want to thank jam for coming on man it's been an absolute pleasure where can the people find you on twitter <laughs> so you can find me on at carefree underscore jam and um of course like i mentioned earlier i'm the, one of the co-owners of uh, the chelsea social so that's at the chels social um and we've got a youtube page now so check that out Yep, as I said at the beginning, all the links to Jam and all the Esther, uh, Chelsea, the Chelsea social Me. links <laughs> will be in the description below. Force of habit, Jam. I've had you. I've literally most of our guests have been from from you guys. So um, mm. yeah, make sure you check them out. Make sure you check Jam out because Jam is when things are tough. I go to Jam's videos because he's probably you know <laughs> he can still be positive and upbeat when he can. He's pretty balanced and level headed. It's perhaps not as reactionary takes as you might see elsewhere. So now check, check Jam out. Check out the guys at the Chelsea, the Chelsea Social. You know, obviously our friend Tom Overend is also now part of them as well. He was, he's been on the pod with us a couple of times and he's a great guy. They've got a really, really good team there and hopefully some big stuff coming. So make sure you check them out. And uh, as for us, yeah, you can find us on Twitter at that Chelsea podcast. Oh, sorry, at that Chelsea pod on Instagram at that Chelsea pod. You can find us on all the usual plat- uh, podcast platform providers. If you want, you can leave us a review. That would be awesome. And uh, until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.